The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome Welcome. to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome Welcome, welcome. to the Data Gurus Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. It's Karen Schombart, who is the CEO of the MPD Group. MPD Group is one of the top 10 market research companies in the world. Welcome, Karen. Thanks so much, Seema. Glad to be here. So, Karen, obviously, you're a busy person. And as, as you're running this multi-million dollar company, you also have written a book, which we'll talk about shortly. But let's talk about MPD first. Tell us a little bit about what you worry about as the CEO of MPD. Well, I worry about us continuing to stay relevant in a quickly changing world, whether it be technology changing, the retail environment changing, consumer behaviors changing. And the good news is we are well poised to address those issues, but I have to make sure that our folks don't become complacent and that there's a sense of urgency throughout the company to make sure we are addressing these changes and not being complacent. And how do you do that? Because I think that's so many large companies specifically really struggle with that balance of hitting the short-term goals, but also creating the urgency to build for the future and innovate. Well, clearly that is a strength of NPD. Fortunately, we have a history. We have a track record for innovation back from inventing HomeScan, which is Mm -hmm. everyone knows is used by Nielsen and IRI to media metrics, which track the web. We have the first online surveys. We're investing in receipt harvesting. And we are lucky that as a private company with an owner who's willing to invest in the future, it's really quite a competitive advantage in that we can focus on what's right for the business, what's right for our clients for the long term, and not just focus on the short-term quarterly results. That is very true. And to have that, I wouldn't say luxury, but to have that capability to be able to kind of take the long view is so important. Are there core principles when you look at innovation in terms of what kind of passes the litmus test versus what doesn't pass the litmus test in terms of innovation? Well, I think it it comes back to staying true to our mission and why we exist and not just chasing things because they're interesting. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's about best in class data in the industries that we track uh, we've picked certain industries that we are going to be in, generally general merchandise and food service, uh, couple the best-in-class data with industry expertise and prescriptive analytics. And so as we look at innovations, it's got to fall into those areas and not just be something that's going to be interesting for interesting sake. So if sense. it helps advance our key mission to provide our clients with those three things, then we would clearly be willing to invest And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion in our industry about survey data collection and respondent experience. And I know NPD has a rich database of ongoing tracking from the consumer perspective. Have you guys changed or dealt with kind of the longer survey experience for respondents in a different way to adjust for that? 
Absolutely, and we agree completely that long surveys are and burden, things that burden respondents are not good in the long term, and that's one of the reasons we're investing really heavily in receipt harvesting. We've got two initiatives, one to get e-commerce receipts and one to get people to take photos of their receipts uh, to have a full omni-channel view, mm-hmm. to be able to look at longitudinal behavior. And we're also exploring, we've got a venture fund that we explore other ways to get information more passively whether it be through investing in startups, where, for example, we're a lead strategic investor in a company called Civic Science, okay. which uses short, scientifically proven polls and automation technology rather than long surveys. We're looking at ways to marry that with some of our purchase data. And, and we believe that the best results in the future aren't going to be from consumer surveys or POS, retail scanner, or receipts. It'll be a combination of all of those. So we're starting an innovation, an R&D effort to figure out how do we create enhanced data that uses the best of each of these for the future. And, and how are clients responding to that? Is it, is, are, you, are you seeing that they are welcoming that change or is it a little bit of a wait-and-see mentality to, to kind of change the way that they're typically consuming the, the data from NPD? Well, they welcome it because we're doing it again for a reason that has to do with changes in the marketplace. We're not just doing it for reasons that have to do with market research technology. So for example, in the retail industries that we track, retailers are becoming manufacturers, manufacturers are becoming retailers. There's a, a high increase in private label brands, direct-to-consumer, e-commerce, and the traditional data collection methods, beginning about whether the survey is long or short, just the right. traditional data collection methods aren't really addressing those market needs the best way. So we need to be exploring new data technologies to be able to meet the changing marketplace needs. And frankly, so that we can continue to stay relevant sure. in helping our clients with their business questions. Because if they have business questions about things that we're not covering, we're not able to help them. Makes sense. Karen, you've switching gears a little bit here. You've had an amazing career thus far. What do you attribute to your success? Well, thank you, Seema. Uh, you know, I have to say, I, I didn't have a plan. You know, I, I basically am a, I am a hard worker. Yeah. Uh, I'm still in the office at 730 in the morning. I stay late. I just, you know, I, I like to work hard. And I also volunteer. I have always kind of volunteered for things. And that gave me exposure to different people, different businesses, just getting involved. Um, uh, you know, the example I always use is when I was in sales and we needed a pricing manual. Well, I didn't know anything about writing a pricing manual, but I said, oh, okay, I'll do it. And then, of course, I learned all about the, the financial sides of things, the pricing. And when it was time for someone to be promoted to a sales manager, I kind of had a real edge because I knew all of this about how to price and the financial aspects of the business. So I think that, you know, taking advantage of opportunities and volunteering and getting out of your comfort zone is, you know, it's been what's really helped me advance in my career over the years. And my sense from, from knowing you and reading your book, it, it's, it's almost as if you didn't do those projects because your intention was to get promoted immediately. It was truly out of, oh, that's interesting. I can do that. Let me put my, put my head down and, and go do it. And as a result, you were noticed and you were tapped on the shoulder for promotions. Tell me if, I, if I'm reading that wrong. Yeah, no, I guess so. It's, you know, people always ask, and I, I think it, it, it may come up here, is, you know, what keeps you motivated? And yes. I always find that such an odd question, because for me, 
it's just so inside me. It's yeah. self-motivation. You know, I always want to get an A in school. I always want to do my best. It's, it's competition with myself. It's yeah. one, you know, I would never be satisfied if I didn't feel like I gave it my all. I did my best. That's why I work hard. Again, it was instilled in me from my parents at a young age, you know, this work ethic. And because I like it, you know, again, right. if you like what you do, then it's easy to work hard because you're, you know, you're satisfied, you're enjoying yourself, you're challenging yourself. Yeah, I always, I always find that competition within yourself is probably the best motivator because you're always trying to do better and you're not distracted by comparing yourself to other people. Exactly. It makes a big difference. What would you say, great career, tons of accomplishments. Is there one in particular accomplishment that you could say I'm the most proud of? Well, you know, I have to answer that with my children. I'm most yeah. proud of my children. <laughs> I would agree, yeah. <laughs> you, know, I, um, you know, I worked throughout the whole time I yeah. raised kids with my husband yeah. and uh, it wasn't always easy but um, now they're they're on the other side they're grown mm-hmm. uh, they've got great jobs they've got great spouses and spouse to be and and they're we're friends and I'm proud of them and I enjoy spending time with them and so that would have to be the thing I'm not gonna take all the credit for them being sure. who they are but <laughs> I'm gonna take some <laughs> yeah. yeah you definitely should <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you look back and say you know Wow, I remember that time to be one of the hardest moments or the harder moments in your career. What, what, what would you point to there? I would say there are two. Okay. One is at one point in my career, I took a lateral move. So, so one of my pieces of advice to everybody who's listening potentially yeah. is stay outside of your comfort zone. As soon as you get really comfortable, unless you're at a place in your life where it's important for you to be comfortable because you've got too many other things going on. But if you're minding your career, mm-hmm. get out of your comfort zone, because as soon as you get comfortable, you're not growing. So at one point, I took a really big change and took a lateral move in a whole different division. And a lot of my friends who didn't take a lateral move, but who stayed in their current positions got promoted. And I didn't. And it was very tough to see all your peers get right. promoted. And you're not and now you're in this new job. And I didn't even really like the guy I was working for that much. And it was a very tough time. You know, from an ego perspective, it was tough. From a work perspective, it was challenging. But it did motivate me to work that much harder. And I did get promoted then quite quickly. And once I did get promoted, I was so much better at the job than I would have been if I had gotten prematurely promoted. So, it, you know, people are always talking about careers being not straight one direction and the importance of lateral moves. And I can say from personal experience that that was true for me. It was hard at the time, mm-hmm. but looking back, it was one of the best things. Yeah, I think perspective is also so helpful when you look back and, and you can reconcile and say, that happened for a reason and I understand why it happened that way. Yeah, exactly. And then the other one I, I kind of point to is I don't think of myself as a not confident person. Mm -hmm. However, every time I was put into a really new job, and again, getting out of my comfort zone, every promotion, every opportunity to do something different was very difficult for me. I always felt like, you know, can I do it? And people around me would say, of course you can do it. But I always had that sort of self-doubt. And I talk a lot about the imposter syndrome, and we don't have to get into a whole thing on it. But I do think people need to acknowledge this self-doubt and that a lot of people feel that way. And it's okay to feel that way. Just don't let it stop you from taking that opportunity. That would be my, my, one of my biggest pieces of advice. Okay to feel a little insecure. It'll right. force you maybe to work that much harder and, and try that much more, but don't let it hold you back. 
So talk, talk, let's talk a little bit about the imposter syndrome and how that manifested in you and your career and how you dealt with it. Well, like I said, uh, I was at a conference one time and, and a, a fabulous speaker, this woman spoke about this thing called the imposter syndrome. Right. And I, which is basically for anyone who doesn't know, it's, it's competent people who feel like they're going to be caught as a fraud. And I thought, oh my goodness, other people actually feel like this is a thing. Yeah that other people feel because it was sort of this secret fear that I had because I didn't have a traditional business uh, background. Right. I had kind of fallen into my career in advance. So I always worried that somebody was going to discover me and say, <laughs> you're a fraud. And so just knowing that this was a thing and other people felt that way was a big weight lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. It's a, then, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, please. I was going to say it, it, it is so relieving when you, when you connect with people on that level and realize that you're not alone. Yeah, and in talking to people who I respected a lot sure. and who said that they felt that way too was just, again, it's a weight lifted. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I now talk to people about to try to overcome this is, first of all, like we said, acknowledge it, but don't let it get in the way. Right. And the second thing is not to compare yourself to others. You mentioned that earlier, Seema. Mm-hmm. But start a fan file. I always tell people this. I told my daughter this. Start a file of your accomplishments. If your client or your boss gives you a compliment, put it in your file. If you do a project you're particularly proud of, put it in your file. And that serves several purposes, two purposes. One is when you're feeling down, you can kind of look at it. It makes you feel better. And second of all, when there's an opportunity for a promotion Mm -hmm. or a a, a job in a different area, you can pull out that file and use that to help build your case about why it should be you. That's a great idea. I love that idea. Even just, even for the days that are really tough and you feel like, you know, you haven't accomplished what you wanted to accomplish just to look at that list and say, wow, you know, it's not so bad. Exactly. So Karen, you've written this book I mentioned earlier. It's The Mom BA, and I love it. I've read it cover to cover. Tell me, what, in, what inspired you to write this book? Well, it wasn't on my bucket list to write a book. Okay. I never thought about doing this. When my daughter, Danielle, started working in advertising, she realized that she knew all these things that her peers didn't know. And here she is at 21 years old, and her friends are calling her up and asking her for advice on dealing with their boss, dealing with their clients, and here she is doling out advice. And we talked about it, and she said, why is it that I know these things? And she realized it was because she had me as a live-in mentor her whole life. How fantastic. And so, for example, Seema, you probably know this story from the book, uh, when Danielle was six years old, true story, and she and her friends wanted to have a sleepover I made them give a presentation on why they should have a sleepover. (laughs) (laughs) And she learned early on how to make a case, do some public speaking, and really defend her opinion. There you go. So she said to me, I feel like I got a mom BA. That's a And so the name was her idea. And she said, you really should write a book with all these things that you've taught me by osmosis practically Mm -hmm. that other people wouldn't know if they didn't have a parent like you growing up. And so the book is not academic. It's written very much through real world stories, as, as you know. Yep. And uh, it's desi- it was originally designed for people starting out in the workforce. But you know, the feedback I've gotten is it's applicable for almost anyone. It, it has great tidbits of advice in there. I, I totally agree with that. And, and how long did it take you to write the book? 
Well, we started keeping a folder of ideas for many, many years, but then by the time I, it took a long time to actually make it happen. Mm -hmm. And by the time I actually started sitting down and writing, it only took me about a year because it was just sort of pouring out. It was a bit of a labor of love, pouring out kind of my life story. (laughs) And I love this quote, Karen, and I think it's so important for when when people start a family and and as parents is guilt is the cousin of regret. And you, you mentioned that one of the key points for you was to be able to try to not compartmentalize feelings between work and home. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, um, I, I'm particularly, I was able to compartmentalize quite well. Mm-hmm. So when I was at work, I really was focused on work and I really wasn't that focused on my children. And when I was at home, though, I really tried to be focused on my children and not be focused on work. And so, you know, one of the things that I say is be present in your present. Mm-hmm. And it's harder now in many ways because we're in this always on and we always have our phones with us. But I think it's really important to try to do that compartmentalizing. And let me tell you, having had two kids uh, and now they're, you know, grown and doing okay. My attitude was if they took their first step and I wasn't home to see it, right? it just didn't count. Yeah. It just didn't count. Believe me, Seema, they're going to take a lot of steps. Yes. <laughs> That's actually really good advice. You're right. Like why really knock yourself down because you weren't there for that actual first step. When you're there, yeah. that's the first step. That's really good advice. Yeah. And so, you know, again, it's harder now in many ways. It's easier in some ways because we can be home at, mm-hmm. you know, you can go to the soccer game and still be reachable if there's an important client issue, but it's really good to just try to, and, and put down the phone. I was just reading an article yesterday about how even babies and young children respond very negatively to their parents being on their phones. Yeah. So, you know, I guess it's really hard, but uh, unplug. And, it's important. and for the time that you're with your kids, and don't focus so much on feeling bad that you're not with your kids all the time. I mean, even stay-at-home moms feel guilty. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just like maximize the time you're together and make the most of that and cherish that and don't worry about the rest of it. So Karen, what's next for you? What's, what's kind of the next thing that you want to do or something that you haven't done yet? You know, I don't know, Seema. I am... Um, I don't have a bucket list. I kind of, um, I'm really pleased with where I'm at. I'm mm-hmm. still enjoying what I'm doing. I, my kids would kill me if I said I wanted to be a grandparent. <laughs> I won't say that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, so I want to keep uh, doing what I'm doing. And I actually do really enjoy the book. One of the things that happened with the book is it really has led to the opportunity to get out there and speak. And it's kind of my way of paying it forward. And I really enjoy that. I enjoy the interaction with people and being able to hopefully, even if they take away one or two tips or don't make a mistake that I made because I was able to share something, uh, that's very gratifying. And I look forward to being able to do more of that. That sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun and right up your alley as well. Karen, if people wanted to buy the book, where would they go? It's available um, on, in Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com. Okay. It's Mom BA. Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat. It was great to catch up. Yeah, Seema, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And uh, let's, let's get together sometime. I would love to. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. 
Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.